Hello and welcome back to Voicecraft. This is a conversation with the brilliant complexity theorist and practitioner Nora Bateson. Thinking in terms of complexity is to think in terms of systems, interdependency and their patterns of relationship. But thinking is just part of the process. Perceiving is another. What is it to realize the complexity we live within from the inside out? What is it like to feel a part of an independent system? There's mess in that. It's unpredictable. And that's about where we're at in the world right now. And that's about where I was at the start of this conversation as it happens. Not very well put together, focused on centering to be at least a bit more than useless, but wobbling more than a bit. Nora is a unique figure. Her understanding of systems theory and complexity and pioneering work with relational knowing practices like the warm data labs suggests she's a figure of the future. Her father, Gregory Bateson, was a world-renowned thinker in the fields of science and philosophy, known in particular for his significant contribution to the genesis of the fields of ecology and cybernetics. Gregory was born in 1904 and was a teenager at the time of the Spanish flu. And so in a deep way, Nora has a real and significant link to a most relevant past. But much more than this, she's actually one of the most deeply present people I've met. And so perhaps that makes this conversation timely. Here we go. Nora, I remember when we spoke to each other, we were in a, in a convent surrounded by groups of people eating with their families and a bunch of trees. And you were just off to somewhere that I was thinking of my mind as sort of like a forest by a river to do a warm data lab. And I really appreciated meeting you then. And I hoped we would talk again. And, and it's an interesting thing to find ourselves in this moment now, given some of the developments of, of the world. And, um, I'm, um, I'm, I'm glad to be here with the opportunity to ask a few questions and to um, share with some, with the world, <laughs> with, with people, um, a little bit of as something we can presence to help steady and realize perhaps a way to be grounded, a way to make effective choices and to find a way to come into a way of being in, in integrity with each other. Um, so that's my sort of hope. That's why I'm wanting to talk to you. And how, how, uh, how would you characterize your world at the moment? Uh, I just want to say, first of all, Tim, that the thing that I'm most appreciating about 
the question you just asked is how, what a struggle it was for, yeah. to articulate. And um, I, I think that that actually is important because uh, I've, we've had interviews, conversations before, and I know that that's not uh, your normal um, pattern of communication. And, and I, I'm, I'm actually really serious about this because one of the most important things that, that we can do right now is to uh, put in check some of those more rehearsed scripts and certainly the trajectories of where we all were three and a half weeks ago. And so I, what I heard most of all in your question is that the trajectory is moving. And, and I think that that is a sign that you're paying attention. Um, what I'm most worried about right now are the people whose trajectories are not changing, who are trying to figure out how to position themselves in this moment, how to platform this, uh, this crisis into the right post or podcast, how to um, you know, catch the next meme or... Uh, it, even jump on the latest news story. And um, I, I just, I think for me, one of the things that is, is in view is just how important it is to be in a heightened state of attention uh, to the fact that there's so much changing and that the game of three weeks ago is not the game of now. So the generating of status, the, the, you know, all of that stuff is in a different frame. And it's actually, I think, um, it's not easy for everyone to do that. Uh, it's just not, I, I remember, um, it, you know, plans change. And when plans change, there's a, a lot of confusion around that and everybody's plans just changed mm -hmm. completely you know seniors in high school that are getting ready to graduate can't graduate and people who had weddings planned and people who are you know then there's the the people who are just trying to feed their kids and get through the day people you know i think domestic abuse is on a serious spike right now people who have difficult home lives and are stuck in the house um so there's there's the bigger questions too of what's what's swirling out there how is this going to land and it's not we're not close to seeing that yet so you know i think the only thing that can really be done right now is just to pay attention and to to pay attention with as much kindness and um and care for yourself and others as you can. And um, there are big strategic pieces that have to get put in place. You know, there's stuff that the governments are showing up for. Maybe yours is doing a little better, but I mean, for the most part, it seems like the, the general political framework is, is a, at least 10 days to two weeks late um, on their shutdowns. So, uh, 
I, what I said to you at the beginning of this, before you turn the record button on, I'll say again, which is that I, uh, in our family, we're already dealing with, um, with people who are in, in serious condition. So it's no, it's not just uh, a time to be home and read and be with the kids. This is not just a vacation or, um, you know, this is, there's, um, there's another wave coming and people in Italy will tell you about it. It's where you have to say goodbye to people who are dying alone that you love. And, um, you know, we're not built to be alone. We don't know. How do you do quarantine with a split family? How do you do, you know, what happens when today my husband's 72-year-old father is coming in from Mozambique where he's been? And like, what do we do? How do we, we have to take him in? He's in danger. We're in, he's coming through airports. Like, what do we do? How do you hold this? How do you quarantine someone who's your family in, in, there's in your house? And not only do most of us not have the technical knowledge of how to do that, the, the other piece of it, of how to have those conversations, you know, how do you have those conversations across families of, well, it's probably better you don't come. We love you. Stay away. But this person can come and you can't come. And, you know, there's hurtful things happening right now. And, and so I guess there's, there's this beautiful need for community and for contact. And in the midst of this, there's this other layer, too, of just what's going on and how do we show up in, in a way that is not reckless. That's all I want to be is not reckless. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The experience I'm having right now is I think it's a it's a microcosm of the challenge I'm facing most days and I think a challenge upon all of us. And I mean, right now, the, the, it just so happens that in the last 15 minutes, 20 minutes of my life, the, the challenge to be together is very difficult. And I find myself here um, committed to be with this process. And it's not... And, and, and the point you make is, is deeply involved in that. Mm. There was something you said to me about when we spoke four or five months ago about what does it mean to share voice? Mm. And I am deeply interested in this question, but not from an intellectual perspective. I'm deeply interested in the being with expression itself and 
that involves presencing what is. And when what is, is threatening overwhelm, this is when integrity is most challenged and groundedness is challenged by definition. And so that's how I'm feeling. And perhaps what does it look like to express in a way and to act in a way that isn't reckless? I, I mean, I think for one thing, it's about um, asking the question again and again. Uh, another thing is understanding that there are patterns and, and ways of perceiving that are so ingrained that they're very difficult to change and they're going to change unevenly. So what you're able to perceive and what your neighbor is able to perceive may be very, very different. So you may be perceiving the importance of, of, you know, watching out for, you know, quarantining, but other people may not actually be able to perceive yet how important that is. And it's, it's frustrating to have these kind of trajectories of, yeah, but when are we going to go back to business as usual right now? If you're, you know, even remotely attuned to systemic process, you're, those you know this is economic this is health this is education this is this is this is a big punctuation no matter what happens there will be life before corona and life after and right now guess where we are we're in neither of those categories we're just in it and so the how of being in it is so critical because it is every move we make is a field of ability, opened and closed. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we show up, the way that, the way that you think about what you need at the store, the way you think about what, um, what your own personal relationship to your family is how are you connecting with people who you care about but you've had arguments or rifts with um you know what's happening with the elders in your life um how are you communicating to the world so it's it's really um it's really in all of that from from how to get food to your neighbors when they're sick or when they can't go out to Oh, I need to hold on for one second. Yep. No, no. My problem. doorbell is ringing. Just, no problem. Just, I, I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, more than okay. Is everything all right? Yeah. Yeah. Just some. Okay. You know what it was? What? My chicken coops arriving. Cool. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yes, Are you so, sure you don't need to you don't need to tend to it? No, I'm good. Okay. It's okay. okay. It's yeah. okay. This uh Nora, this is life, hey. Um this this uh this podcast has not been about positioning, although I have 
I very much felt the effects of the inadequacy of my positioning at some times, sometimes, but, um, like I'm, uh, I'm just here to be honest with you. And, um, I'm here because if I wasn't, I'd be lying to myself and, um, it's hard enough to live in this world and in this life. Um, even doing one's best not to live a lie and I will not, um, I will not live one. Hmm. And, and I think we don't even know, you know, so I, I, what's essential that's the question. And I, I don't, I think we're just finding out. And in our lifetimes, we've never really had to ask that in that way, that the, the, the way that we sorted out what was essential had to do with a completely different set of systems. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I mean, maybe everything will just go back to normal, but I don't think so. I think we're in this for a while and I think it's going to really shift our world. And, and so uh, that's what I, my, my sense is. Um, and certainly looking at how harsh the virus actually is. Uh, I'm, our systems are not even remotely ready for this. So it's, it's, um, it's going to be a time of total transformation. And, you know, people have been throwing that word around for the last couple of years, I think, irresponsibly. Transformation was something beautiful and it was something to, you know, we had... We had weekend transformational workshops. Hmm. Like, remember that crap? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Never been to one. Me neither, but there were, I certainly they, they, got Oh, they were around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just people using that word, you know, and, and it's that thing of looking at what transformation is. is uh, it's not really a weekend thing. No. And this, yeah. So this, I guess that's what I, I, I'm really appreciating how, um, how important it is to get into the most humble and uh, of our human states. And, you know, I just want for the record to take note that there, the two of us are sitting here in a state of quite a bit of privilege. And we're feeling the shake. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a wealthy person. I don't think you're a terribly wealthy person. But still, there's a lot of privilege in this conversation. To be yeah, able I to have access to a credit card. Yeah. 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 And, and, and to take the time to be thinking about this and to be, you know, having this moment of exploration. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other people who are just in a moment of emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an incredible luxury to sit right now at the sidelines. And it's not, we're not completely at the sidelines, but we're, we're not in the, um, there's a lot of people who don't even have a home to quarantine in. Let's just remember that.
it's such a challenging thing to um maintain the humility of that because well for for many for many reasons but hey um i'm really feeling that the pull here to share to share my own experience in a way that i'm in a way that i'm comfortable with uh with you as an individual i don't know how comfortable i am publicly in mm. my current state as I, I really have to say i'm just nothing less than me being here with with what i can be is appropriate in this context and i'm just uh, man i'm just i just am not in a not in a high functioning place unless i go right through the heart here and and it's um because i um right now i i don't feel privileged mm. and it's not that i it's not that i don't have a sense of the suffering of others it's that as i'm confronted with the immediacy of my being i am myself suffering and that is a dynamic that we all face when we tune in to the state of play and our involvement in it i think most of us if we look deep enough because the the depths of the pain of life have been you know i've wanted at many points in my life to escape from that and i care a lot about the reality of that and realize that this is a potentiality of experience for all human beings mm-hmm. and the dynamic of integrating oneself wholly with that potentiality and embodying that integration in a grounded place in the world coming back to the center the pattern of doing that seems to me to involve it's kind of kind of like this i feel and and i'm not saying this because i i the following metaphor i'm not saying i know to be true and i'm expressing this because i care a lot about what you have to say and and i I I really couldn't have a higher opinion of you Nora from the mm. time we spent together um it seems to me we can drown in a puddle or we can drown in an ocean and from the perspective of the person who drowns they are more or less the same and therefore the dynamic of how we deal with our respective puddles becomes of paramount importance and it can be so challenging to be capable of taking the suffering of the world in and remaining grounded enough to still be in an effective place of decision making and i i just i felt i felt the urge to say 
this because otherwise I'd be leaving something out. Yeah, I think, you know, there's always a context. Mm -hmm. And um, that that context matters. And it's, um, like you said, I think that the thing here is about decision-making in the moment and what kind of um, wherewithal, what sort of perception, what sort of... um, you said groundedness um, is in place there because there's there's all these decisions and they're they're so contradictory right now everything is is it at, at, at my mother used to say at sixes and sevens it, everything is in direct contradiction we have to bring we have to get we have to be together but we can't be together we have to be apart we have to support each other, but we can't touch each other. We can't be near each other. We have to, and you know, on the one hand, that's a philosophical dilemma, but when it's your, your mother or someone who you love that's in the hospital, that contradiction, you know, like you said, a puddle or an ocean, it doesn't matter if you're at the door of the hospital or on the other side of the world, you can't go in to be with that person. You cannot be near them. And uh, so do we, like, what is continuing right now? I I think that's a really big question. What does it mean to continue? What Mm. are we continuing? Mm. And what are we not continuing? Uh, And and how do those things start to interlace Um, as as this, these larger pieces are moving. And, and, you know, there's things that are getting ratcheted up into full tilt um, war strategy language, uh, complete with military assistance and so on. And, um, and keeping, keeping a clear head and heart in that is, is not easy for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also we're, we're triggering back into a world that made sense that, you know, there's, it's so bizarre. I think we all have to ask ourselves several times a day is, this, you know, unless you're really in the throes, like the medical people in the medical profession, um, there's a lot of, is this really happening going mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. You know, you see those, those photographs of people partying at the beach Mm. And just, you know, vectors. It's a vector party. Um, oh. And oh. and so it's the, is this really happening thing? And then what does that mean that it's happening? How, what, what, you know, where, where are the lines? I don't know. Um, but there's a, this thing of what's essential. And it has been possible to justify that what was essential to some people was not essential to others in the system that, that, that has been in play. Yes. And right now the cost of that is coming up 
large and visible to those who didn't want or couldn't see it before. Um, but the cost of, of exploitation mm. was more than everything. And so the wealth that was gained on it, it doesn't have worth anymore. And it, I think we're going to continue to see that. We don't know what's going to happen with the banks or the stock markets or the, you know, supply chains or the, or the, or the, or the, and, and I mean, I just, I just want to say that the food that we get at the supermarket is actually produced by people the tops of these industries are filled with gazillionaires and the bottoms are basically, you know, the picking and the tending and the actual work with our food is done by people who can barely feed their own children. There was a cost. This is not what, what, what producing life should have been. We, you know, the 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 process has gotten wildly off course and in in ways that have been extremely destructive across all of our systems economic education health i mean in every direction and the the biggest one is actually identity because that's where all of these come together and so, you know, when I see those kids at the beach or when my, you know, people that are close to me say things like, oh, you're really overreacting, you know, it's just a flu. Everything's going to go back to normal. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be out of quarantine and we're going to go back to normal. And... Um, There's too many relationships that are built on other relationships that are built on other interdependencies and other interdependencies that are coming unraveled right now for that to happen. Mm. So it's one thing if there's a bump in a system and the economic system takes a hit and the stock market crashes and people lose a lot of money and you know, remember in 08, we had a near crash. That's one thing. It's one thing if the education system is suddenly, you know, up in arms about something. But it's another thing altogether when all these systems at once start to come unraveled. Because there's second and third order contingencies and interdependencies that were holding not just the economic or the education or the health system in place. They were holding entire cultural ideas of what the future is or what success is or what wealth is or what health is or what family is or, you know, these things that were running much, much deeper than the actual structures and policies and things that could be measured and detailed and defined. And so there's the changes that are taking place are taking place across and through multiple contexts now. And that's why it's difficult to find words for them. We don't even really have words for that liminal space. Um, but when we talk about what's continuing and what's not continuing, 
the things that aren't continuing are, are so deeply entrenched that it's hard to even, for, for a lot of people right now, it's very difficult to see where they are. So, I mean, can you imagine right now, for example, a world in which it makes sense to buy a first class plane ticket to a luxury resort with your Prada shoes and your Rolex watch. Like all of that is one big heap of non-essential. And the, the, the lines and tentacles in which those things were wrapped so that they did make sense last month, those, all those lines and tentacles have gotten, um, at the very least, reframed for some people. I don't know for everyone yet, but I think it's moving quickly. And I don't, you know, I, I don't think that the appetites will be the same at the end of this. Yeah, you know, one of the essential functions or businesses that are allowed to remain open in Australia as of today, one of the few is um, alcohol shops, bottle shops. I'm not sure, Nora. I'm not sure at all. And I know you're not sure either. <laughs> I know that. But, but I, I want to say something about the alcohol shops and the cigarettes and the, you know, the, the, the coping mm -hmm. people are coping mm -hmm. and some people are coping by, you know, trying to get attention and social media and being, you know, still trying to be who they were and other people are coping by having a drink and other people are coping, um, by eating sugar or whatever you know people are coping with with big change right now and so i'm not saying you know that it's a good idea to be destructive uh, or that it's essential to be destructive but i i do think that we need to be very careful with where we draw the judgment around how people are trying to figure out how to be in a world that's changing this fast yeah. And that comes down to the people partying at the beach too, frankly. You know, yeah. at some level, it's just, they're just not getting it. And, and you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about, you know, this is about people who can do exponential math and people who can't. Um, but even that is a, is a wild oversimplification. It's, it's how do you hold this? My mother is 91 and she's in a um, elderly living apartment complex in Washington state in the States. Mm -hmm. I'm in Sweden. I, there's nothing, there's no possible way that I can get to her. Even if I were to, you know, take a boat or, a, you know, find a way to get to the U S and get in, they would not let me in to see her. So, I just have to, to say that there's a, there's a pretty good chance that I could never see my mom again. You know, that's like right there for me. 
And when I talk to her and she says, yeah, but we only have nine more days of quarantine. And I say, mom, I think it's going to be longer than that. And please don't go outside in nine days. But for her, you know, I, I talked to her the other day and she was putting on her eyebrows and her mascara while we were talking. And I said, mom, where are you going? <laughs> said, the living room. <laughs> you know, she's just completely stuck in her little one room apartment and maintaining. Like, I, I have to live with myself. I got to put my eyebrows on or I just... I mean, I got, I only have one place to go. It's the living room, but I'm going to look like me. I'm going to keep my dignity together while I do that. So whatever it takes, but at the same time, this is coming in hard. And I, I think the thing I'm really worried about is just how to deal with the aloneness and dealing with huge change and massive trauma in aloneness. And this is so not where we are built for. I mean, we're, we're creatures that rely on contact, physical, yeah. emotional, communicational, familial, cultural. I mean, every single thing in our world is made of togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the piece I'm really concerned about is that's the essential. That's the essential. Yeah. And, and without that, there's going to be a lot of other weird essentials. Yeah. What kind of replacements are we going to put in, in there so that we can talk on zoom or we can, um, I mean, yeah. So if somebody needs to smoke some cigarettes or have a drink, I don't think I have much judgment around it right now. I mean, I think we just got to get through this. Yeah. And I think that's a, a perfectly fair point, more than fair. So there's these double binds or tensions that we are always dealing with and we have here then this relationship between judgment and non-judgment and um, we have also the notions of um, openings and closures which mm. to me is essentially something like choices which have consequences and um, and then what is the process of making choices uh, that open the way perhaps more than they close it unless the close <laughs> precludes possibilities that we actually might want to keep open what is worth continuing we have these notions of uh, continuity of relationship john Bovecki put something nice he said the other day continuity of contact as a characterization of um of faith um but in some other words, for me, it is how to be with, how to be with transformation, how to, there's something magical that happens in that moment of expression, which is never a moment. There's something magical that is where I am here and now there 
with you and I am here to tune in and I can come out with expression and there is expression which is more conducive to my and let's say I, I love one of your terms by the way uh, I, the, the meaning of it the uh, the mutual learning environment mm. uh, there's a way of my being here which is more conducive to our mutual learning than not mm-hmm. and so we don't need to to revisit the alcohol point but what was in my mind as i mentioned that is is the the um I would, I would go so far really as to say that the sort of abject failure in our society to have an understanding of what is essential to enable continuity of what's worth caring about. And it's like we have to build that from scratch because mm-hmm. we have never been in it. Mm-hmm. You know, people were seeking the, the, the solace or the the healing for for their the wounds in their lives from shopping trips and you know weekend workshops on transformation and um you know things have gotten very weird mm-hmm. and so out of this weird concoction there's suddenly a need to be able to clear all that nonsense and those weird lines of of i've been signed out huh are you here still yeah okay i just got a note that said i was signed out um but we have to clear all all, all this nonsense Mm. of the past of things we're you know totally entwined in Mm -hmm. um and suddenly remember something that is uh something that the compost pile knows better than i do Mm-hmm. which is actually how to make relationships that build life. And I, I honestly have never lived in a world where the, that was the essential thing to do. I've never been to that world. I mean, I've, I've been to the forest and so I've seen it there. I try my best with my family and the work that I do, as you know, but, but also I, you know, I, like you, I mean, here we are, we're several generations into ways in which our physiological processes are digesting proteins or manifesting desires um, or have intimate longings for things that are, are, are and ways of being that are um, located in a system of systems that was non-vitalizing. And now we have to suddenly wake up and know what's essential. And we don't know. We're like essential. Yeah. Okay. Essential. I definitely need face cream. (laughs) Right. Right? I gotta get a bottle of bourbon. Like these are essential things. And I mean, I'm laughing. It's not funny, but I'm laughing because of the, I guess, the surrealism of it all. The absurdity is just vast. But I think I think I, I like that that sort of framing there that the compost knows more about how to be 
in a, in a, in a world of vitalizing relationships than I do mm. because I mm. have been cultured into a lot of processes that have blinded me mm. um, and mm. that have been served by exploitation that was beyond where I could see conveniently. Mm. Mm. And so I have this idea of essentialness that is connected to brokenness. Mm. Mm. Hmm. So the wisdom of what you say is, is, is so evident to me. And I'm also feeling the urge to play here what I consider the, um, another side of the dance and mm. with, um, with many people who I respect and delve deeply into the more mystical kind of metaphors of making sense of the nature of our experience and the interconnectedness of the world. This often takes, this often occurs and I often find myself being on, well, it can be different sides of it, but often, often, um, often a side of, well, I'll leave that for now and just, and just say what, what came up to me to presence because I think a sobering thing for you to say what you just said, that, that, that compost knows more about how to be in touch with vitalizing relationships. And yet there's also a sense here that I'm experiencing right now, like the very act of, and we can use this as an example, the very act of being here, I can reflect on the transition here of my own state. And as mm as uncomfortable I am in even reflecting on the sort of the um, coming into this conversation in a cycle of agency that was diminished. And I had to really presence the vulnerability of my emotion in order for the connection between us to be co coherent for you to get a sense of who I am and where I'm at and inform this, that process is, is part of the process of a vitalizing relationship yes it is and that's the thing we are the compost we just don't know mm -hmm. it that's the piece and that's exactly what i'm saying it's mm -hmm. there it's so deeply there i mean it's what we're made of that's why mm -hmm. we don't know how to do anything alone it's the same piece it's like We've been in all these relational processes all along. We just identified them very weirdly. Mm -hmm. And now those weirdnesses are melting. Mm. And we're, it, that's what is the discovery point, I think. The, the, the zone here is, is that it's, it may be possible for there to be discovery. But, you know, we'll see. Well, I um, totally agree with you. It's there. We yes. got this. Yes. We do. We do. What are we? Some hundreds of trillions of organisms. We are that. We are vitality. We just got really confused. Well, that there is a, a beautiful place to, to end this. So Nora, thank you so much for taking more time than could have been, but I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Tim. And, um, I uh, I just want to 
end by saying that there's a lot of doing here that needs to be done. There's a lot of doing. And it, it also needs to hold the time of reflection and, and rethinking, re, you know, to be careful that the doing doesn't become an extension of the way of being that's in, in change, that's, that's, that's getting reorganized. So I, I think that's, that's the main thing is there's a lot of um, urgency and it's going to take, if every urgency that we go into, we go into thinking about whatever, how can we stave this emergency in a way that also builds vitality.